Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. The Deeper Dive Podcast is about going deeper into God's Word, learning new insight, and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. Today's episode is part two from Can't We All Just Get Along by David Jung. So get your scuba gear and let's dive deep into God's Word. Here's David Jung. So, as we continue with this, it's so simple to go and just not have any direction, not have any focus, and it goes all over the place. And then after a while, you don't even know why you're originally talking. You don't even know why. And then it becomes a secondary and tertiary issue. Why well, didn't like the way you talked to me? So the original issue is no longer solved because you're, now you're talking about the way you treated me. Oh, yeah, I don't like the way you treated me when you treated me that way. It's like, after a while, it's ridiculous, right? And so naming the issue becomes a problem. So here's a question for you. Do you ever have a situation, okay, where, I don't know, I'll, I'll use, uh, I'll use maybe, who, who, what's a, like, we'll use a couple here. Maybe, uh, uh, who, well, you're Steve and Charlie, right? Like the two of them together? Okay, let's say you get home, okay? And then, and Charlie's like, did you get dinner? He goes, what, what? And it goes, well, well, I texted you. And then Steve goes on, why didn't you get the text? Well, why didn't you get the text? You never check your messages. Well, if you would get, let me get a better phone, right? So well, we can't afford stuff because of this and this and this. going on and on and on. What happened? What just happened? He could have called. Yeah, maybe. What's the issue? He didn't get the chicken. She's hungry. That's right. So now we're talking about global data network plans, the monopoly, and, and, and the, you know, Rogers and AT&T, their two biggest conglomerates. Why the cheapness in the family? Why I can't use this phone? Like, what are we doing? And then you're getting hungrier and angrier, hangrier, and never gets well. So the H-A-L-T, because we're right away, I didn't get the text. Why didn't you get the text? And you jump off. I said, okay, whoa. I didn't get the text, but I'm going to get dinner right away. Then you can have a conversation while you're eating that delicious chicken. Most likely, she may come in, you know what, I was a little hard on you, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I probably should have checked my text. Yeah, I, I probably need to get that phone thing fixed while you're eating. Because the issue is dinner, not the text plan, not him being incompetent, not him, her being cheap. Like it's, it, it, I don't think anybody's done that. I'm just saying in Winnipeg, we do this a lot. They okay, never, never. Right? I remember one guy says, I hate the, I hate the ICOC. And I'm like, ooh, that's pretty prickly since I work for it. And so I said, bro, wow, it sounds like you're really impacted. I shared this story. It's pretty hilarious. Not so much for him, but for me. I hate the ICOC. Like, what is the ICOC? What do you mean? Who do you, is this a specific person you hate? Is there a grand poobah? Like, what are you talking about? Say, wow, bro, sounds like the ICOC is not really working for you. Can you tell me what that means? Well, the single sisters, they, they, they never text you back. Wow, all of them never text you back? Well, no, this one specific sister. Okay, well, what do you mean by, well, I asked her to be my girlfriend through text and she didn't respond and said she didn't want to. And I was like, well, okay. So I'm not, okay, are you saying you hate the entire ICOC and all the single sisters to the blame, but specifically it was a single sister that you texted to be your girlfriend that doesn't like you and now you hate the whole movement? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that does seem kind of silly, doesn't it? A little bit. What if you don't ask the question? Well, we're working on things. There's systemic issues with ICOC, racial. 
Is that what we're talking about? The guy has a problem with a sister that doesn't like him. That's the problem. The sister doesn't like you. That's why she said no, bro. You might want to ask a question before you text her. That, look, I know we're all new and stuff, but we still want to do the old-fashioned way, face-to-face -face a little bit, right? A little bit, right? So can I help you with something? Find the sister, see if she likes you. That's good recon. A lot of good information. Because you get a bigger yes answer. Okay, so I didn't bother addressing that he hates the ICOC. I don't really think he hates the ICOC. He started hating himself for being such a silly person. L listen, buddy, do you want to date effectively? or Because you might want to just talk to the person. So his issue was much more personal. But how many of us would have reacted that way? So we're missing the issue. So the next point is being curious and listening. And we know this. Because if you're not sure of what the issue is, it might morph as they share information. Because you think it's something, but it's not. Right? How many times have I put my foot in my mouth only to take it out, to put my other foot in? Right? Because we just keep talking and it doesn't make sense. So being curious looks like this. He or she, there's a lot of she's here too. He who answers before listening, this is his folly and his shame. Do you know in a shame and honor culture in Israel, to call someone a fool and to bring shame upon them, those are fighting words. In that culture, it was normal to die to restore the honor of your people. So when you call someone that, do you know what the Proverbs were saying? It was shameful. It was folly to, to, to answer before listening. I don't think we see it that way in the world. Well, whatever, my bad. Like, no, because it can start wars. It can start wars. Things out of context, right? You know, when you see a really, see you see a review in the movie, okay? You see dot, dot, dot the best movie of the year. You're like, oh, wow, you go see it. I want to see the interview in context. What if it said, definitely not the best movie of the year, but I put three dots, or that's not accurate. You know what I mean? You can't report like that, but apparently we can. And so we're not curious enough to ask the questions. And so how do we be curious? These are good questions that I often share with people that I use myself. What if somebody does something you don't understand, something that's especially irritating to you? Instead of reacting badly, I'll say, hey, I'm curious about blank. Can you help me understand? I suppose, why'd you do that, man? Like, you see that prickliness? We don't want that. I'm curious. Can you help me understand? Most people don't react badly to that. Hey, I've noticed, I noticed something. I, I noticed that we're supposed to meet, I, I, in my understanding, we're supposed to meet at 9 o'clock. I notice it's 9.30 now. Can you tell me what's going on? Hey, Dave, you know your watch stopped? Oh, whoops, glad I didn't go into that all crazy, right? Or did you not get my text? I had to help my grandmother and you shouldn't have helped your grandmother, you should have showed up. You know, like, that's a whole different problem. Hey, I need your help. Can you explain to me? These are very neutral statements, very curious statements. Or, hey, can I get your perspective before I share mine? And all four, all three discussions I've had with the staff and the leaders and the, and the squad and, and, and all the different people, the cultural diversity team, whatever the moniker here is, in our earlier Bible Talk Leader Workshop, this was showed about being curious because it's a key. Because how can I know what's going on and what to address if I'm not curious? Curiosity has got to be our saving grace. And I'll tell you what I mean. How many here know what you're supposed to do when you're in fire? First of all, you're probably doing it wrong if you're on fire. But if you're in fire, what are you supposed to do? 
That's right. Stop, drop, and roll. You probably learned at school, at school for maybe your first woodworking class or your first science class, because that's when the Bunsen burners are. There's a lot higher chance you're burning yourself to death. You probably wouldn't learn it in math class. I don't know what you're doing in math class, but no way. But why stop, drop, and roll? Because the science behind it is you should stop locomotion. And when you're on fire, you shouldn't spread like curtains and, and people and puppies on fire. If you move around, like, ah! So stop. We're dropping on the ground because the next, next maneuver is smothering the oxygen out, right? Less oxygen, less material to burn, and you're okay. You think you can remember all the science behind that when you're in fire? You're not. You're really emotional when you're in fire. But what can pass through, what we call this amygdala hijack, okay? The amygdala is very important because it helps you with your fight, flight, freeze response. You see a bear, you should run, you should fight, you should react. Instead of, ah, this is the bear. No, no, no. That's how you get eaten. But for us, when somebody does something that's prickly or scary, instead of freaking out, what if stop, drop, and roll for us in conflict resolution, dealing with sin is, I'm going to be curious. Instead of stop, dropping, I'm going to be curious. Because what stop, drop, and roll, it penetrates past our emotions. You might think, well, when did this happen? Well, I'll tell you, I had a friend who's a cop. Cop for 17, 18 years. First couple weeks on the job, he was with his staff sergeant. They were sitting outside of 7-Eleven, you know, just doing their thing. Cruise, cruiser and everything. And for some strange reason, these two robbers parked in front of the 7-Eleven and ran in to rob the store with the... I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on. You know what this person did? New person reached for his phone to call 911 as a cop. The sergeant's like, what are you doing, man? He goes, oh, oh, because it happens. Because his immediate reaction is called 911. Can you imagine the dispatch? Yeah, you're the closest unit. Actually, you're the actual unit that's, that's there. Can you imagine? That would be pretty silly, right? Because it's instinctual to call 911. You know, after 17, 18 years of cop, he's not a cop anymore. You know what he always does when he gets nervous? He does this. What's he reaching for? His gun, his sidearm, because he's right-armed, right? Now he's like, Whoa. he just, what are you, what are you doing? He's just, I'm, not, I'm just, you know, I'm not doing anything. So as a friend, I gave him a flashlight, a little tiny flashlight, so he can put it there. It's a tactical flashlight, force multiplier, whatever it's good. Puts it there so he can reach for that while he's looking at my flashlight, because I want to see you better, like whatever, because it looks silly. Just, that's what he did. Well, can you imagine you doing this? Instead of reaching for your gun, you reach for curiosity. I'm going to pull out a question for you. I can be curious for you. Very practical. You can use it right away. Because somewhere along the line, someone's going to do something. Even today is going to do you like if people are poking. Yeah, yeah. Stop poking each other. I can see you. Okay. So I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, don't do that. For us, we start thinking about curiosity. Think about how different that conflict situation of yours would have been if you were curious. Are you sure you know what, what happened? Are you sure? Because think about us. I judge others by their impact. I don't care about their intent. Well, I, I judge their impact and their intent because if the impact's bad on me, you have bad intent, okay? But if I impact someone badly, I defend myself with my intent. I didn't mean to. Yeah, but if I didn't mean to hit you with my car, you're still going to the hospital, right? Can you imagine standing there saying, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. Yeah, hi, thank you. I don't think you meant to, but I still have a broken femur. We judge others by their impact, I don't care about their intent. I judge myself by my intent, ignoring impact. I gotta be curious of both intent and impact. I gotta be curious about this, because if I'm not, it's gonna be problematic. When I'm curious, when I ask these questions, I really gotta listen. So what does listening mean? Whoops, I went too fast. Listening means I'm gonna hear till I understand their point of view. 
This is what I say, understanding their point of view. Get to the point that I believe they're sincere. They may be honest, but not accurate. You see the difference between the two? They're honest and sincere, but they're not accurate. They're not lying. That's the way they see the world. So I believe that you believe it, brother. But can I share my point of view to correct some of that narrative? Because think about this, all right? If somebody was at the edge of a cliff, okay? And I'll be big, Jay, can I borrow you for a second? Let's pretend you just stand there at the edge of a cliff, all right? And he's like, just, you're just kind of holding on like a little bit like edge of the cliff. You're just, yeah, like this, okay? So here I am, I'm running at him because I look like he's going to fall. And I do this and he decides he's going to fall off. What does that look like? I pushed him off or I was trying to save him. You can't tell, right? Even a video can't tell. Only he knows and only I know. Yeah, he's dead. So only one witness. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Jay, really great job. When you're helping someone or pushing them, it can look the same. But you won't know unless you're curious and say, hey, what were you trying to do? Well, I was trying to help him, but I tripped and I pushed him off by accident. I mean, I may go to jail for manslaughter, but not for first degree. Now, if I lured him there with candy or whatever it is, and, and then I shove him off, like, yeah, that's a little premeditated, okay? And I grease the edge, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a problem. So can you look at all these illustrations? I like using pictures so you can remember. It looks the same. Rescuing and attacking, it can look very much the same. Curiosity is what is going to help us reach for it especially when you come to cultural narratives. Because in some countries, this means no, and this means yes. Can you imagine? Do you understand? But I thought you understood. What are you doing? What if they thought they know that I know? And so now are you doing it the Western way or the other way? Yeah, okay, what, okay stop. No, not, okay. Yes or no, Right? Being curious helps us with that. I know in different places, when I wasn't curious, it was really important because you can break a lot of narratives and hurt a lot of people, and then they get mad at you. Because they're all they're going to remember, oh, you ignorant person from North America, you always disrespect us. No, that wasn't my plan in the morning. I was just stupid. I didn't know any different. I don't know if you remember one time when George Bush, sorry, it's so funny, I I had to laugh. Um, This is the OK symbol for North America. It means something else in other parts of the world. You can look it up yourself, okay? So he went to this country, and he did this to all the leaders in the military. Okay, right? And everyone's like, and he goes, oh, maybe they didn't get the message, and he did it again, right? It's something very rude, and it involves an anatomy. And that's what he just called all of them, and he's like, but I just meant okay. He goes, no, you did not. You insulted an entire country in the military. But he didn't know, Right? He probably should have gotten kosher. Hey, dude, I see you do this a lot. Don't. Don't do it. It's an international incident, okay? Be curious. So, being curious and listening, only then, after this point, guess what happens? Then I get to share, because I know what I'm going to talk about. Because beforehand, if I want to go to number one, look at how much we missed. Wasn't curious, don't know what the issue is. I'm just talking and talking and talking. And after a while, they're going to you don't even listen. I am listening. I can repeat everything you said. That's not listening. Parents can do that, but they don't understand you, right? 
If you ask a parent, you know, I love you so much, I'm going to eat you in the kitchen. They're like, yeah, I'm going to eat you in the kitchen. They don't know what you're talking about because there's no meaning, though they can repeat it. Does that make sense? So we think about sharing my opinions. It makes sense to share my opinions. It says, Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. So when I'm sharing my opinions, there are some rules, okay? I'm going to talk about this in my message tomorrow. But you can't sin when you're sharing that opinion, or they're only going to focus on the sin. Your message is lost through the messenger. And when I go talk to a brother or sister, if I'm not checking myself, and even when I'm being like Jesus, they'll criticize me. Because Jesus was being like Jesus and he was criticized. I'm not Jesus at all. I've got history with these folks. And so part of it, looking at it, is when I share my opinion, oftentimes I want to be able to lay out a bunch of facts, fact, fact, to prove my case. But there are a lot of times that the facts aren't so clear anymore, but what's very clear are the feelings. And so I like to use this tool that I learned from one of my mentors many years ago. It's called the four Fs. It's feelings first, facts follow. What do I mean by that? I look at how they're feeling, I name it, and then I talk about some facts. I may say, hey, bro, I know this is going to be really hard to hear this. Or, hey, you know, I know I'm not the best example of a righteous man, and I know you can have some feelings, but, you know, I really do love you, and I wanted to let you know that what you said was really, really, it was really bigoted. I, I want to do it. But you see how different that sounds? Because I deal with the feelings. I address the relational side first. So we call that connection before correction. Feelings first, facts follow. I want to make sure. Um, I don't know if you, how many of you subscribe to the, um, the Vision uh, Conference. Some of you have that password. I did a lesson in the ILC. It's called Dealing with Difficult Conversations the Way Jesus Did. It was some crazy title they gave me. So Dealing with Conversations the Way Jesus Did. And we talk a lot about emotional connection, making sure we do the feelings part. Because we lay a bunch of facts. It's dry and cold. You know, even as simple as this, feelings first, facts follow, sounds something like this. What if you're running late? What sounds better if you're running late? Hey, do you have a watch? Right? Does that sound cool? I mean, it's a fact. You're late. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but do you, this is, you're always a half an hour late in your culture? Like, that's really insulting. You're dealing with a bunch of facts. Even if they're late, it's true. But what if it sounded like this? Wow, tough morning, huh? Yeah. Hey, you want to tell me what's going on? Very different. But you're still addressing it because most people that are frantically freaking out know they're late. Now, if they come in with a toasted sub sandwich and a big drink, I'm like, what are you doing? You took time to toast it? Obviously, like, obviously, there's something wrong. Obviously, that's going to be involved in another conversation. But most people, if you walk in with, hey, let's deal with how they're feeling. Because I would kind of know and say, hey, bro, tough morning, huh? Wow, that's really impactful for you. You hate the whole ICOC. That's challenging. Can you tell me what, what that's about a little bit? Yeah, all the single sisters. I can't believe it. They're all sinful. Like, all of them? Like, like, yeah, well, all of them. Yeah, well, like all the brothers are sinful. Everybody, right? Only Jesus can fit that category, right? But we asked questions. We found out that it was a sister that he asked to go on a date, to go be his girlfriend by text. He barely knows. It's awesome, right? Great plan, bro. Like, no, but we found that out. Empathetic. Man, that must be tough for you. Hey, if you would have done that differently, what would you have done differently? Do you see how kind that is? I probably would have found out if she liked me first. Oh, great insight. You can write that one down. Like, like that's really good. 
right? At the end of the day, I really am sharing in a gentle, kind way. I can get it across. Even addressing their concerns, even though they share clearly with me, if I tell them what I think their concerns are, where I'm brief and specific, it lets them know I'm on the same page as you. I get it. Is there anything I'm missing? Nope, you got it. Great. Do you mind if I share what I think of this? When I address my concerns, then I'm also brief and very specific with them. Because when people are emotional, they want to hear it brief. They don't want to hear long answer, justifying answer. I know I'm not the most person, but blah, 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 adding all this. The first part, if you do it right, it addresses their heart, and then you get stuff into their brain. Remember we talked about the salespeople? They get your heart first. Hey, Steve, man, you work out. You're kind of guy that needs this kind of car that only fits two people. Forget about your family. Like, you know, like they're not going to say it that way, but you're going to look really cool in this car, right? So at the same time, when we address our concerns, we're allowing to be able to share opinions. And once again, you got to be able to fill in the blanks with some of the stuff you know how to do. But this process, and then I check for understanding all the way through. I can use scriptures here. Hey, I understand the scripture this way. When you think of the behavior that you and I display, do you think that was, what do you think about that scripture? Right? There's some times where we can use scripture wrongly because we use it first with no context. You know, the Bible says, don't judge, right? What are you even talking about? We just don't see you judging me now. Like, wow, we don't even know what you're talking about. But when I set it up really well, the scripture lands very, very well. Jesus did it all the time. Hey, can I tell you a story? You know who had the most difficult conversation? Can you imagine approaching a murderous king that already murdered a man and took his wife? Would you want to be Nathan? Yeah, Nathan's like, oh, I'm going to go? Okay. He snuck that up on David. Yeah, you know, hey, can I tell you a story, David? The sheep, the guy, he goes, oh, that man should die. Yeah, hey, punchline, ready? That's you. And the like, oh, is this the last day of my life? It's amazing. Read the story. It's amazing. He couched it, dealing with David's heart and making sure that David ended up convicting himself. So why is this important? Because when we can do this right and we repeat this and keep sharing until you think they get you and you get them. Because now you've identified the issue. You're super curious to make sure you got the right thing you're talking about. Then you get to share what you're talking about, and they get a chance really to hear, because I really want them to hear that I am interested in listening to what they have to say, and I believe what they believe. I, I, so I believe they believe it. I don't believe. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to love what they're saying. I don't think it has to be even true, but I believe they believe it, and that's good enough for me. Does that make sense? Thinking about your situation, when you went and shared your opinion to this brother or sister that you're in conflict with family member, what did you say to them? What, what do you think you could have done differently? Or did you say it pretty well? What did you say? What, how did you share your opinion with them? Maybe write a few thoughts down about that. What did you say? Was it like, I want to talk about your pride because it really hurt me. That's not a very curious statement, is it? Not very curious. You're so disrespectful. Why do you disrespect me all the time? And a lot of times when we don't know how, we'll just do it anyway. Versus there's a way to gently walk. Jesus was so amazing. It took quite a bit for him to be able to go Matthew 23, because there's a whole 22 chapters before it. Matthew 23 is like, you brutal vipers, you know, woe to you. Like, it took a while before he went and laid that out. There are times for that when someone's obstinate, and I know they already know. But rarely people know the impact that they've made. And oftentimes attribute them just not knowing before evil. Most people come to church, they're not looking to be sinful and destructive. They're not. Why would they come to church? You can do that for free outside without judging eyes, right? At the end of the day, 
I really want to know how am I going to approach you the best way, okay? So I don't know if this is fleshing out this simple conversation. Go can be very unpacked. And when I coach people and teach them this with disciple them, they're like, yeah, I saw what I went really bad from point one. And we don't know what we're talking about. But finally we get here, even this has parameters that go with it. Does that make sense? Here's something to consider, and this is a little more scientific, and that's fine for us to who will take this in, because you have enough now to go what you need to go for. But you might have a longer situation where from your sharing, from your curiosity, you might ascertain or find out what they really want. So here's a, here's a, whoops, here we go. Well, let's go for the next one here. The spread of conflict. We always want to stay at stage one where they're willing to solve the problem or resolve the issue with us. Listen for that. If you don't hear anything of them wanting to resolve with you, you are not at that stage. And you know that it's going to need some support because you're going to go on and on and on, talk about stuff, but they're not interested in resolving it. Well, let's talk some more. Let's convince them. I am not interested in listening to you. I only, I only want to be heard. Well, that's not going to work because if we're here to resolve, or maybe you just hear the vent and I'm going to share it, but I won't be able to share it because it's not where you're at. But I won't keep doing that because I'm not a punching bag. But I want to do it right. But you know what happens is if the issue is their behavior and they don't want to acknowledge it, what's going to happen is, and I, I, I use this many times, if Jay, who's in front of me, if Jay and I are on the same side of the table and the problem's on the other side, we have a good dynamic. We're working on the issue. The behavior is the issue. The sin is the issue not Jay. But the minute I don't know what the issue is or I just get angry, he moves to the other side of the table. The problem gets bumped over there on the side. Jay's the problem. Now I'm making it personal. Not that Jay acts proud, but he is proud. He's the embodiment of proud. If you look in the Bible, proud, there's Jay's picture. Now it's personal. You know when that feels. The volume goes up. The temperature gets a little colder or hotter. And they moved on to the next stage. Of course, when I make it personal, I can't just talk about Jay's pride. I'm going to talk about all the other things I'm going to throw. We call it the kitchen sink moment. You see those movies where they're firing guns and missiles at the monsters not working? Then they take off their shoe. What's your shoe going to do, right? It's because they're in the kitchen sink. They're pulling everything to win. It doesn't matter. So they're actually not bringing their brother to their senses. You're bringing your brother to his knees. Nobody wants to be brought to their knees. It's a different thing. And so as we're thinking about Jay, I'm going to make it personal. And when it makes it personal, I'm going to multiply a bunch of issues. I'm going to add a whole bunch of issues. So the original issue is lost. And then what happens is I'm going to want to find some friends that agree with me. Do you agree? No, no. Oh, pay dirt. You don't like Jay either for completely different reasons. Now it's team David, Jay by himself. Jay's not going to have any of this. He's going to find a bunch of other friends. Now it's team David, team Jay. You've seen this work? It's how it works. It's beautiful, isn't it, for Satan? But then when you build enough alliances, you can open hostility because you got a gang now. Just go. People are a lot braver in a group. Gossip, open, church splits, back and forth. And you're at that hostile stage. What if you, all you hear is hostility the whole entire time? And we are talking about your pride. We, you're like, oh, they're building alliances. They got a lot of issues. They're making it very personal. They're not even here to solve the problem. And they're hostile now. So if we don't understand this, you know what's going to happen? This is what we're going to say. You two need to get into a room and work it out. 
What if they're in stage blue five? And, and I don't know if you know, it's, it's, it's kind of how a flame works. It starts off white and it gets blue and hot until it's black where you get burned out. You don't see anything anymore. But it gets hotter and hotter. But can you imagine not understanding they're in a hostile stage? You put them in a room. Oh, they'll get into a room so they can get closer and shoot each other. That's what's going to happen. When you're in hostile, you can't engage in that conversation until people stop stealing rocks. You can't have that conversation. It's not possible. Because when you're shooting at each other, you're not talking very much because you're too busy dodging bullets. Right? As we think about this, when you listen to your situation, how far is it spread? If it's the stage that you can't identify, you're going to go in with the wrong solution, with the wrong idea. This is, can be explained a lot more in another workshop, but this is an idea to think about where is this conflict at with my friend? And we're trying like crazy to solve it, but meanwhile, they will not stop being hostile. You can't go to resolving the issue. Why can't you just resolve the issue? Because we're at blue. And until we can find somebody in between that can stop the rock throwing, we can't get to one. They keep making it personal. Look, I own that. I'm a sinner. But this specific situation, what do you mean by this? I need to get specifics. And they may not have one because in time, they may move away from the specifics of the issue and it's just pure emotion. And we need somebody else to be able to fish it out, maybe individually, because they don't feel safe bringing it up because you hijack their emotions. And it's not, not, I mean, they get triggered, they get triggered. It's just the way it is. And you get triggered. And in the end, this is a big mess. There might come a time where in this conversation with somebody, you can't stop them from being hostile. You can't stop it. It's just hard. And there's times where, number six, changing the relationship may be the best way to go. And not all changing the relationship is sinful. Because sometimes it's more destructive to be together. I'm not saying, but you can't walk away throwing rocks at there. Here's a grenade. Have a good time. But if you resolve it to what we call good enough, but it's probably not best to have them in the same Bible talk. Probably not best to have them in the same place. Because if you do, you're only creating the conflict because there's just too much water under the bridge and not on this side of the cross are we going to solve it. But that's disunified. No, you're just not being smart. So the irritating thing about the scriptures is in the argument between Paul and Barnabas, a sharp dispute, they call it, God never says who's right. And it's very bad because it leaves me all confused because I need to know who's right. I read books on Paul was right. I read books on Barnabas was right. I read books that they're both wrong. Yeah, they're probably both wrong. It was an argument over a relationship. One was biased and one was just being hard and Bar- Barnabas converted it. Like, there's so much stuff, but God never says, but he was okay with that separation of relationship. And I'll use a divorce example. Sometimes a relationship's got to change parameters in order for them to resolve the issue again. And this is what I mean. When parents fight, who suffers? The kids. They're too busy weaponizing the kids. And so maybe they need a time of separation to get sane again so they can meet the needs of the kids. I'm not saying divorce. Sometimes it involves that. I mean, we're not in that place anymore. We can't control a lot of that. But at the end of the day, for us, it may consider we need to change the relationship. We might have to switch ministries, switch churches. We can do that these days. We can. You're like, well, I'm not asking you to leave. I'm not asking you to switch. Go to a community where you can have that. Now, If every church you go to, you get to all these stages really quickly, you might want to ask yourself a question, right? This is my eighth church. I can't find anybody. You're like, yeah, I don't know where you're looking, right? Like, like maybe you're looking at all the wrong spots, right? You're looking for a cat in a dog show. Wrong thing, okay? But we start thinking, if I can go through all this and I can honestly, with humility and kindness, I can say, 
I love this brother, but I just can't live with him. I can't. And because of my own sinful nature. And a lot of times, if you're a victim of abuse, there's times that it's not safe and not right to actually go back to the abuser and apologize. It's not, or they apologize. They can't do it because it doesn't create that safety. There are times when I've had clients, they had to deal with people that have died. How do you get an apology from someone who's dead? You can't. And so they have to deal with it in such a way where they resolve it when the person's not available, meaning that they don't want to apologize. They don't care. So Romans 12, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everybody and I'll let God sort it out in the end. But you can't have 48 relationships in a 50 person church like that. It could be you, right? It could be you. I really, really introduce a book to you that um, I shared it with some of the staff and some of the leaders. Um, it's an interesting book. And if you want to write down the title, it's by a guy named Bill Eddy, B-I-L-L-E-D-D-Y. He's a social worker, a mediator, and a lawyer. Those don't come together very often. He wrote a book called Five Types of People That Can Ruin Your Life. Oh, page turner for the disciple. Not really. It's a great book, and it really shows there are some really toxic relationships that this conflict model that we're using won't work because they're not working with the same rules as you are. And churches attract folks like that because they're the only places that listen to them for a while. And after a while, five types of people can ruin your life, give you some shepherding skills. Because you're dealing with this person and you're like wondering, how can I love them the best way? And we can get frustrated. We can get frustrated. We don't know what to do next. Does that make sense? I think even going forward, when we have this goal conversation, sharing my opinion, learning how to resolve the issue, Resolving the issue is the next step because now you know what the issues are. You've shared your opinion. They've shared their opinion. And guess what happens? You actually know what issue to resolve. Sometimes the issue is not resolvable if you stay in your position. And this is what I mean. I'll show you. When you think about resolving the issue, right? Your position to take ownership looks like this. What is it that I think they need to take ownership of? Now that I've heard everything. What is it do I think they need to take ownership of? And when I say ownership, it means to take ownership in such a way where it's a biblical word to take ownership. I believe I was being proud. I believe I was being unloving. What do you need to take ownership biblically? Because you can't repent of being a jerk. You just can't. Because that can be defined 15 different ways, right? But jerkness, the qualities of jerkness involves being selfish took the last piece of chicken without asking. You took all the chicken without talking to anybody. That's specific. But taking ownership is, what do you think they need to take ownership? Share with them. What do you think you need to take ownership of? And then after I take ownership, what do you think I need to offer to make it right to them? What do they need to offer to make it right for you? So this is what I mean. I use this, I've used Jay, I've stolen his wallet three times already. Let's say on a Friday staff meeting, we're there, and I'm in a hurry because staff meeting went long or whatever, and guess what happened? I took his wallet by accident, put it in my backpack. It wasn't intentional. And no, this is not my fifth time doing it. Like, I've done it my first time. You know what? I feel really bad when I find out I have his wallet. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? It's just Jay's wallet. Yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And you know what I got to do? I got to give Jay's wallet back because here's the thing. I can't take ownership and not give it back and make offer to make it right. True? Because that's just a get rich quick scheme. Look, oh, well, I stole all your wallets. I'm really sorry, guys. Wouldn't you want your wallet back? So for me, what I'm going to offer to make it right for Jay is I'm going to put in a $25 gift certificate to Starbucks. Here you go, bro. 
$25, man, I'm really sorry I took your wallet. Most times we stop there to resolve it. But here's the problem. If I don't ask Jay, what else do you need from me to make it right? I really don't know what's happening. What if he tells me this? You know, David, it's really unfortunate, bro, that you took my wallet Friday. Because I was actually responsible for getting all the food for Tracy's party. And the family, everybody was over. And, you know, it was really weird. I was at the Walmart, got all this food. And, you know, I didn't have my wallet. And they didn't let me take it out. I said it was a Christian, it was a minister. They didn't care. I was pretty embarrassed when I got home. I mean, she understood, but people are kind of mad at me. They think I'm kind of an idiot. Without realizing, I took the wallet. Do you think a $25 Starbucks card will fix that? Probably not. What if he says this, David? Thank you for offering the apology. Thank you for the gift card. Would you mind coming home, though, bro? I really do need Can you come home with me and talk to my family and tell me what you did? Tell them what that you did? I'm like... I think I can do that. That'll meet the need. A lot of conflicts don't get resolved is because you offer what you think they need, not asking what they need. Now, I made this joke before. If you ask for a plane and for a house in Tuscany, I think that's a lot for a party. For tra- I'm not saying Chase not important, but that's a lot, okay? I think that's out of bounds, maybe. But if it's not out of bounds, why wouldn't I do that? So if in your situation, my question would be this. What do you think you need to take ownership of in this situation? What do you think they need to take ownership of? Write that down. What have you offered or what will you offer to make it right? What do they offer to make it right? Because even in the Bible, you steal a man's donkey. You can't give it back dead. You can't do that. You're going to give it back with something or maybe a chicken that goes with it or something, right? To make it extra. So what do you think you need to offer? And the third question would be answered by you. What do you need from them? Maybe they've offered something already and you're still feeling squirrely about it is probably because you didn't express your needs of what you really needed to make this right. Because you gossiped about me and I'll apologize. So you apologize to me. But gossip spreads to everybody. You might want to go back and correct the story for me. You sin in public. You're going to have to deal with it in public. That's going to help me. If you defamed me, Oh, bro, it's okay. That's the worst thing you can say. You don't tell somebody it's okay that they've defamed you. They have to go fix that, especially if you're someone that has a voice. If I defame Jay, it's a big deal because I have a bigger voice. If I do it on YouTube, I need to apologize on YouTube because I want to apologize in the least embarrassing way, but the least impactful for him. It needs to be impactful, commensurate with my sin level. It needs to be. I will lose something when I sin. Here's something that preaches you might want to take a look at. I don't have time for this one, but look at Zacchaeus. Remember the short guy? Climbed up a tree. By climbing up a tree, he gave up all dignity. And he was willing to take ownership. I'm a bad, bad man. Okay? What was his first offer to make it right? Anybody remember? Here and now, I give half of what I own to the poor. He made an offer. It was his decision of how to treat the people of Israel that he burned. But what was his next offer? If I've ripped anybody off, I will offer four times more. So just come to me. You know what he did? He actually gave his victims power to come back and claim things from him. You know what, how much money he would have left at the end? Probably nothing. Because man, if I was an unscrupulous man, hey, you owe me money too. What? He would be stripped bare. But you know what though? Jesus said, you lost everything, but you gained everything now. That is a scripture that talks about true ownership. He owned what he did by standing up and giving him his position, his title, 
He offered to make it right for the people, but he gave the people the right to come back to him and take ownership of, he needs to take ownership of the impact that he didn't even know. And so when we start thinking about this, can you imagine doing it this way? Would it not resolve it? It would resolve it beautifully. It really would. And that's the moment where you're like, yeah, amen, they're talking. They're fired up. They really offered it. And even in the future, one of the things is making a plan and following up. Because if I offered Jay to have that apology, he needs to follow up and I need to follow up to go to the house. Because I'm going to, maybe I leave and I don't want to do this and I ghost him for weeks and weeks, right? I need somebody in my life. If I've agreed to this, I'm going to have to do it swiftly. If I agree to do it and having a mapping, a plan and following up, it's not wrong to go a couple weeks later and say, hey, Jay, are we okay, bro? I'm really sorry about what I did. And I'm sorry about the impact because you only have a 50th birthday once. You can't keep doing it again and again, right? You're really embarrassed. I'm really sorry about that. And at the end, if he's okay with it, I really have closed the loop when somebody sins against me and when they, and I sin against them. I know this is a long, long way, but you see how complicated it is, but it can be really more complicated if we don't do it right. And so you think about how complicated the study series are. But without them, we have no framework of how to help someone become a Christian. This is but one framework when we think about it. Whoops, framework. So when you start thinking about the framework offered as a tool, who do you need to have a go conversation with? Who do you need to have that conversation with? If you live in a church full of sinners, sooner or later, someone's going to bump into you. You're going to bump into somebody. You may not always be aware of it. Here's another question. When are you going to do that? Yeah, bro, amen, amen. Sooner the better. Just not here, okay? Not here. You go to work. Uh, I, I, when you go to work tomorrow at church, you know, not work, but, but you're working on your relationship at church tomorrow. Don't go to the preacher 10 minutes before the sermon. Can I talk to you? Please don't do that because you make us want to quit, okay? So what if you don't know how to do this? Who's going to help you with that? Do you have names on the page? What if you don't have anybody to help you with it? Who do you think can help you with it? Write their name down. Because this is the rawest time for your heart to actually have that conversation. Because what you're thinking about right now and that you don't want to go do is the seed of a very large conflict in the future. Nobody just walks away from God and others because they start off one day big. It's always these little things. Yeah. Hey, what skills do you think you need to learn and to grow in in order to do this? I would try, I would do this, Okay. Say 10 out of 10 is the worst conflict you've ever had in degree. Don't go after that one first, right? You don't want to do that. You want to go after your one, two, three out of 10 and practice it a little bit. People that are a little more gracious with you. And then after you work your way up, you can deal with a 10. You can. Don't start off with a 10. You don't do that. I mean, you can if you want, but don't call me, right? Because definitely you walked into some trouble here. So here's some things to think about here. There's a really great book by a guy named Ken Sandy. It's called Resolving Everyday Conflict. It's a Christian-based book. It's really cool principles of how to resolve conflict. It goes through some ideas that I presented here differently. I don't agree with everything that he says, but it's a really great book. There's a lot of, a lot of great books that are written by him and his cohort. Here's another one. Just in case you have issues in your family, I'm just guessing here, but Peacemaking for Families, written also by the same guy, a biblical guide to managing conflict in your home just in case you have some conflict in your home. Just in case, I'm just, you know, making sure. And last but not least, you know, if you got a real big problem, 
Sometimes you want to reach out. I'm pretty quick with emails. I'm not going to do counseling for you. That's not what it is. But sometimes you can just share something simple with me. I go, so here's a great book for that. Or here's a great resource for that. Or, hey, do you remember this slide? This might help you. I'm pretty responsive with emails because what I can do for you, I can probably give you a half an hour and it's pretty quick. You might go, why do I do that? It's because I'd rather share this with everybody so that it doesn't become something huge and you lose your faith. I have an email, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. Don't worry about the ICOC Peacemakers program. That's for the church leaders and leaders and stuff like that. But you can always look it up. It's kind of cool looking. But LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm pretty, pretty responsive. So as we kind of close with you, I want you to think about the most important thing that you walked out of today with for you when it comes to this goal conversation. What's the most important thing for you? I would love for you to write that down. Because remember, everything's important, nothing's important. What was most important for you? Something that sticks out of your brain right here. You don't have to take notes for this even, but write down or maybe think about what's the point that you got out of this. It might be a sentence, it might be a word. It could be be curious, be anything, because you can refer back to this material. Even if you fail miserably, it's okay to look back and see where you missed. Because sometimes you fail miserably the conversation. You can't even go back and look, where did I miss? I don't even know. You're going to repeat it again and again. Okay? So I'd love for you to look at the person beside you. Again, if there's no one beside you, find someone beside you. Share one or two things that you really got out of this. What was important for you? Because as you share it, it comes out of your mouth. It actually stays in your brain a little bit, a little more. So take a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll, we'll close it out. Okay? Talk to the person beside you, or if you don't want to talk to them, <laughs> find somebody else to talk to. Groups of two, three. What was the most important thing for you that you got out of today? So thank you, partners, and say thank you so much. And um, you turn your attention. Thank you so much. High five, whatever it is. There was a lot of information that was shared today. Yeah. And if you, you want to practice it, it's really cool. I love to hear stories of how it worked out for you. I did this something like this in the Philippines about seven, eight years ago, and I still get stories from them. They talked, you know, I really approached my dad. And the coolest one was, you know, he approached my dad. You know, he studied the Bible, became a Christian. He's like, wow, that's okay. That's a little extra. Like, thank you for shaming us all, you know. I just resolved it with my butcher. That was all there was, right? But there's some great stories because what it is, it really allows us to see the fruit of some of this work. It really works. This crosses cultures, but there's ways you can integrate it into cultural pieces. I can help you with that as well. But as a disciple, can you imagine doing conflict just a little bit better? and then get blessings instead of curses. So I really, <coughs> excuse me, I really want to thank Jay and Mary. I know she was the person that brought me in, so she's responsible. And thank you so much for bringing me in. Okay? <coughs> so we're getting done about 15 minutes early. And so if you have any questions, I'm, I'm up here. I'm not really going anywhere. I don't know if they need to kick you out of the building, but you do have church tomorrow morning. And also, if you've got a big, long thing you want to talk about, don't create conflict with the people behind you. They're like, what are you doing, right? So this is not a therapy session. It's not cathartic. If you've got a quick question, I have no problem answering it uh, on the floor, off mic, of course. And also, don't use names and numbers and things like that. If there are long historical conflicts, it's not something I can deal with in the meeting. Just, just giving you that caveat, okay? But thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you, David. And thanks for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. 
If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com or on social media at The OC Church. Join us next time for our next Deeper Dive.